dietitian. And I'm Tara, a journalist. We're mums of little ones and we're also sisters. New Mums Nutrition is a podcast that helps you optimize your nutrition and thrive in this season of life. Hello, welcome back to another episode of New Mums Nutrition. It's so lovely to have you joining us. We're pretty excited about this episode, but I feel like we start every episode saying that, don't we, Lana? Yes, and this episode's all about what you should eat while breastfeeding. Yeah, we're going to be talking about how we can help you optimize your breastfeeding journey so that you can hit your breastfeeding goals. And most of us start off breastfeeding are the stats from the Australian breastfeeding sorry from the Australian National Infant Feeding Survey indicated that 96% of mums started best breastfeeding but then by 3 months only about a third of people were still breastfeeding their babies exclusively so what that tells me and Lani if you've got your own insights on those statistics happy to hear them as well but what that tells me is that there's something going on where People aren't feeling supported or for what, there's a host of reasons that are making it difficult for people to continue their breastfeeding journey. And maybe, maybe some people are hitting their breastfeeding goals and they're perfectly happy, but some people aren't. And so this episode is us talking about nutritionally, what can we do in order to hit those breastfeeding goals and optimize our breastfeeding journey. And there are lots of challenges that come along with breastfeeding that might come at the beginning of some people's journey or later on. But I think the thing is, we just don't know what to eat. Often people will say that they were told just to eat healthy or uh, some people are told in the hospital they need to eat extra. Then breastfeeding requires an extra 500 calories, which it does. But what does that mean in terms of the actual food you eat? So we're going to dive into the specifics of what that might look like. And if you are someone who has been on a breastfeeding journey or who is currently breastfeeding, you will know that there is nothing that compares to the appetite of a beginning at the beginning of your breastfeeding journey. Well, we're going to get into the specifics about why that recommendation of 500 calories comes about and what that actually looks like in terms of the foods that your body needs to fuel that. But yes, that breastfeeding appetite is like no other. You think pregnancy, hunger is a real thing. Breastfeeding is like taking it to the next level. So I guess we really want to get into the milk production and what is actually going on before we talk about the food. I think it's important for us to pause and just chat about that. Yeah, that's really helpful. Can you tell us, Lana, what is going on in our bodies when it comes to breastfeeding quick overview is the first few days when baby is born you'll have colostrum which is the thick uh sort of like a thick milk substance which is really high in fat it's often a golden color people call it uh the golden milk and that comes in that's really high in fat because fat is really high in calories which is good for your baby to be getting as much energy as they can be while your milk is coming in and also while their stomachs are so small like their stomachs are only the size of a marble or a pea when they're born is that right yeah the stomachs are very small and so that's helping to accommodate and that's often why they're feeding so so often because their stomachs are so tiny and so Your milk will come in, it varies for women, generally around the three to five day mark. Uh, Your milk will come in, we'll transition from that golden thick milk to more of that, that white, more easily flowing milk. But 
even though your milk comes in around that time, it still can take you know, up to six to eight weeks for your milk supply to actually establish and to get into a, um, a bit of a routine and rhythm. And so you might have days where you might feel like your breasts are feeling really empty, especially at night or the afternoon. Uh, it's not that your body's run out of milk. Your body's still learning what um, supply you need for your baby. And so your milk supply is often created by how often you feed. And we call this the supply and demand because your baby is telling your body how much it needs. Which is quite impressive when you think about it, that your body is able to respond. And as your baby grows and perhaps starts solids and needs feeding less, your body will regulate so that you don't get that horrible full feeling every time mm. your baby's eating porridge instead of drinking your milk. Yeah. It's really, your body is quite amazing in that way. Yeah. And so when your baby has a feed, your baby will take milk from your breast and then your body has to replace it. So often if your milk supply is low, one of the advice that is often given is to feed your baby more frequently because your body will usually try to keep up with the demand. Although that being said, if you ha- are having issues, please do uh, reach out to the Australian Breastfeeding Association. Or you can reach out to an international board certified lactation consultant. I guess that's just the overview of breastfeeding and sort of what's happening. And we'll, we'll keep doing podcast episodes about that. But one of the things I just want to note is that just because breastfeeding appears natural doesn't mean it's easy. As your stats show, Tara, women need lots of support to help them if they want to, to continue reaching whatever their breastfeeding goal is. There are lots of other things in life that are meant to be natural that actually are really, really difficult and take a long time to learn. And so I think because the examples I can think of at the moment are, think about how long it takes a child to learn to walk properly or even learning to eat solid food is a really natural thing. It's how we nourish ourselves, but that takes you know, six months for a baby to learn how to chew properly and how, and even and certain years. foods can't be eaten for years because mm-hmm. there's choking risks because they just don't know how to chew properly. And yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is like by the time you have children, you're so far away from learning these natural things yourselves. And actually we have no memory of learning to walk. It's easy to think, oh, this is meant to be natural, so why can't I just pick it up straight away? But we actually need to show ourselves a lot of compassion and grace because the default expectation should be this is going to be challenging to learn because anything new is challenging at first. Mm. And with the right support around you, whether that's friends, family, the Australian Breastfeeding Association, our podcast. <laughs> Other professionals, you know, we, you, we want to be a village for you and for you to, ha- to have confidence to reach out to people to help you on your breastfeeding journey. One other thing I'd like to add also in that whole breastfeeding is natural but can be challenging at first is actually sometimes formula might be required and we are so lucky to have good quality formula easily accessible to us because formula is a wonderful thing and it's a wonderful supplement if we're struggling with breastfeeding and it's a wonderful option that we have there to help our babies grow and get what they need. Yeah, I think I, the way I see formula is is a really key part. It might be helping someone along the way in their breastfeeding journey. It might be helping when breastfeeding isn't possible or when there are struggles. Uh, and so 
you know, I, I've worked in a, in a children's hospital before and formula was an amazing part that helped keep babies alive. So I really view formula a little bit like medicine, but it really is a, a food that we have the option of using. And so actually, isn't it fantastic that we have these resources to help nourish our babies as well as breast milk. Now let's talk about food because that's the whole point of our podcast, what to eat in the postpartum period. What are the foods that I should be keeping in mind and what should I be eating in order to optimize my breastfeeding journey? So remember at the beginning of the podcast, I said breast milk requires about 500 calories to for our body to use up and burn to actually make the breast milk. And so if we think about what does that actually mean? Well, that's the equivalent is if you did a 50 minute run every day. And so we need to switch this mindset of almost of dieting postpartum when we're, you know, four weeks, six weeks postpartum. We really need to have the mindset of fueling our body for the work of breastfeeding, like we're fueling ourselves to go for a massive run every day. For those who use kilojoules and count in kilojoules, it's about 2,000 2,000, yes, that's right. Sorry. So one of the other reasons that we need to eat more food during this time is because we it, breast milk requires additional ingredients to make it. So when needing additional carbohydrates and micronutrients, especially like iodine, to help contribute to breast milk. So let's talk about food for breast breastfeeding women. So when we look at the guidelines in particular, there are two key groups that are increased for breastfeeding women. The first one is our grains group, which is, you know, all our bread, rice, pasta, our cereals. Our grains group, typically women need about six serves per day. During pregnancy, that goes up to eight and a half serves of grains. But while we're breastfeeding, it requires nine serves per day. Now, you might be wondering, what on earth is a serve of grains? Like nine serves does sound like a big number. But a serve is about a, uh, is equivalent. So one serve is a slice of bread, half a cup of rice, pasta, quinoa. So basically, I should be eating a loaf of bread a day if I'm <laughs> So Can it be fruit toast? I love fruit toast. <laughs> my, my tip really is to diversify where you can. So we having maybe, you know, a cup of rolled oats, uh, of cooked rolled oats in the morning, and then having a set, like, don't feel afraid to have a sandwich as a snack because actually your body needs these extra grains and it primarily needs carbohydrates and the B vitamins as well that are in our grainy foods to help support uh, your breast milk. And a sandwich is a great snack for a breastfeeding mum because you can eat it one-handed. One-handed, that's right. <laughs> so I want you to think yeah. breastfeeding means I need to actually be more intentional, not about cutting out carbohydrates to maybe lose a bit of weight, but actually if I want to sustain breastfeeding, am I having enough serves of grains? The other group that's increased for breastfeeding women is if you thought the grains was huge, breastfeeding women require seven and a half serves per day. So normally, you know, we aim for five serves a day and seven and a half is a huge jump. So a serve of vegetables is a cup of salad or raw vegetables or half a cup of cooked vegetables. That's really to account for the weight that's lost with the water when it's cooking. What this really means is you can't just be relying on your main meals to give you enough to hit your serves of vegetables. 
You really need to be incorporating it constantly throughout the day. So in that sandwich, you know, chuck some spinach leaves on there, uh, put some slices of tomato in there. If you're having a cheese and tomato sandwich, like just get, yes, tomato counts as a serve of vegetables. You can see here how it needs to be all throughout. That's really to hit your additional fiber targets as well, which your grains will help you with. They're flooded with all the micronutrients and also they really, really help to transmit some of, if you're having, say, like bitter vegetables, for example, some of that flavor will actually be transmitted through your breast milk and help your baby when they're ready for solids to have a, a better chance of uh, accepting bitter vegetables. Like if their palates are kind of used to those flavors already through your breast milk, then they won't be such a shock. That's right. Because so, breast milk is quite sweet, right? Because yeah. of all the lack, because of the lactose. Lactose, that's right. In the breast milk. And so if that's making the breast milk sweet, then by eating the bitter vegetables, that will help your baby's palate to kind of not be as, it won't be such a foreign flavor for them. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yeah. So just like, so when you're pregnant, your amniotic fluid that's uh, in your belly, your baby can actually taste some of that. And so the, the taste that you have during pregnancy, sorry the food that you have during pregnancy your baby picks up on some of those tastes and then when you're breastfeeding as well that can influence the taste of your breast milk and so that's one of the extra the extra benefits to the baby but but for you we say seven and a half serves of vegetables and so the rest of our food groups generally stay the same but those are the two main things to focus on typically a person's day of eating will look like some breakfast in the morning, maybe vegetables with lunch and usually vegetables with dinner. This kind of makes us go, okay, well, how can I even just think ahead a little bit and go, how can I include vegetables at every opportunity, including thinking through snacks? What do I like to snack on? How can I add vegetables in breakfast? And so just where, how, how much can I get in my body? And I always say some is better than none. So if you're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't even hit seven. Uh, five serves of vegetables today, how am I going to hit seven and a half? Just aiming for one or two serves extra, build that up and then try and get closer to that goal. So we've talked about the food groups, but are there actual particular foods within those food groups that we should be trying to eat more of? So should we choose cucumbers over carrots or do you have particular foods that we should be paying attention to? If you can get a variety in, that's going to be the best to make sure you're optimizing and giving yourself a variety of nutrients because we know nutrients sort of spread over colors, especially antioxidants as well. I think this highlights, I don't think you need to pay attention to oh, I need to eat this particular vegetable or, or this particular thing really what we're talking about is when someone tells you oh breastfeeding requires extra energy it's not let's go eat a whole block of chocolate the point really is that we want to be eating the foods that are going to fuel our body for breastfeeding and so 500 calories is a lot we want to make sure that we're getting it from the foods that are going to give us our body all those nutrients that it needs because often what I see is women cutting out these foods and potentially impacting on their breastfeeding journey and so that's why we really wanted to cover those two foods and not only cutting out those foods but also getting the extra calories from other foods that actually don't contribute to fueling your body properly yeah that's right now I asked, are there any particular foods we should focus on? 
and you've kind of and you've helped us think through what not to worry about and what to focus on but are there any other but are there any other reasons we should be focusing on specific food thinking about breastfeeding and reducing your baby's risk of developing certain allergies is goes hand in hand I couldn't not talk about this so what we know from the research is really clear that what the mother eats during pregnancy and also during breastfeeding can help to reduce the baby's risk of developing certain allergies now it doesn't mean that this is guaranteed it's just reducing the risk because you probably can't say that if my kid has an allergy it's my fault because I ate too much of this or I didn't eat enough of this right of course not that no that's right and so really if we think about the the top allergens particularly in Australia we're thinking about things like peanuts tree nuts milk that's cow's milk eggs sesame seeds fish and shellfish soy and wheat now those nine allergens in particular are very important because if you are eating them regularly during pregnancy and throughout breastfeeding then your baby is getting exposed to small components of the proteins in those foods and the components of those foods and will develop what will get used to those a little bit there's there's that they're getting that exposure to those uh potential allergens for for years you might have heard people say avoid peanuts in particular was the big one that and the advice that that nutritionists were giving and dietitians were giving was to avoid peanuts but now we flip that advice on our head and actually regularly consume peanuts throughout your pregnancy because we know and through breastfeeding because we know that that regular exposure reduces uh, your baby's risk of developing allergies and so what does regularly mean I'd say about two to three times a week if you're able to some might be more feasible than others like peanuts you might be able to get in but maybe shellfish are not able to get in as regularly but it just being on the radar whether that's including some soy milk uh in your day swapping it out for cow's milk and but still including cow's milk so you're still getting that regular exposure you're mixing things up that's something important to consider when you're breastfeeding because it might make you more intentional with some of the foods that you're eating so just a summary of what we've been talking about so far some of the foods we should keep in mind particularly are uh those bitter vegetables to help our baby's palate develop even as early in the breastfeeding journey as possible and then foods that are common allergens we might not need to make dramatic changes to our diet but it's just more about if we have the choice oh maybe we should eat a meal with fish in it because that will be a good exposure for my baby it's just about keeping these things in mind is there anything else we should be keeping in mind the last thing is water you get so thirsty when you're breastfeeding and when you're thirsty that is already an indication that you're dehydrated breast milk is about 87 88 percent water so what that means is generally you need around at least 700 mils a day extra to account just what our body is using and pulling out of our body in breast milk our body has to replace it a rough guide is to aim for about 10 cups of water per day so the way to think about it is every time you feed have a glass of water 
But that's the other thing you need to think about when it comes to sort of what you're consuming is those foods we talked about, reducing your risk of allergy or of your baby's risk of allergens and the amount of water that you're having. You don't have to take the full mental load of it. You can uh, you can take other people to be part of your support network. So to recap what we've been talking about, your body does need extra fuel and that will help optimize your breastfeeding journey, particularly get those grains into you, get those vegetables on your plate and then off your plate and in your mouth, and then keep an, keep an eye on common allergens and try and consume those where you're able to. If you're obviously, if you're allergic to something, don't eat it. But That's right. Where you're able to pick up on things like peanuts and soy and we'll pop the list up online as well. And before making major dietary decisions, make sure you consult your, your, your support team, your medical support team, those who know you and your baby and your circumstances the best. So that's where an interpartum and postnatal dietitian can come in to help as well. If you're looking for tailored advice on how to optimize your breastfeeding journey and get the nutrients that you might be lacking or do it in a way that works best for you and your baby, it can be best to seek individual advice as well. But hopefully we're all going to, after listening to this episode, we're all going to go and eat a vegetable or a slice of toast, whatever grain or vegetable we, we like, and that will hopefully help us. Also, the other thing I hope we'll all do after this episode is check out the free New Mums Nutrition Checklist that Lana's put together. Tell us about the checklist, Lana. I've developed the checklist to go through the different types of food groups and all the considerations you need to think about as a new mum. So head over to my website, lanaherth.com, to download your checklist. The checklist and the podcast, all the information we talk about is general in nature. It doesn't replace your individual medical advice. We recommend you check in with your medical support team if you do have issues or do need to seek further tailored advice for you. This episode has been put together by me, Tara Singh, and my wonderful sister, Lana Hirth, who is an expert postpartum and women's health dietitian. The music you hear is recorded by Daniel Singh. Please remember, do subscribe, leave a review wherever you get podcasts from, share us with a friend, a friend who's expecting a baby, a friend who's just had a baby, a friend who's got a six-month-old and is still navigating this journey. We really want to help more women optimize their nutrition in a realistic and achievable way in such a wild time of life. So please do share and join us in the Facebook group. We're on Facebook as New Mums Nutrition. We have lots of chats there about things that we've talked about on the podcast. People share tips and tricks that they've learned and it's a great place to be. Bye for now.